Tudor minded people. It's Philadelphia Carrie for Tudor Time Machine. The word I share with you this week is mumping. Oh, my friends, last night we had such an occasion at Whitehall with a feast and dancing La Volta. A gentleman of my acquaintance, who I shall own I did favour, and who I shall also own spurned my infections in a most insulting manner did me the honour of seeking to dance with me because he had no other partner. I cannot tell of my satisfaction when I told him plainly that I was engaged for the dance with another gentleman who outranked him in nobility and grace. Oh, how he went mumping about, searching for another lady to dance with. What an ass he looked, and how that pleased me. Oh, it is true that he who laughs last, laughs longest. Mumping. How now, Tudor Files? What think you? If you're new here, I'm Gage. I'm Jessica. And we're here with Philadelphia Carey for Tudor Word of the Week. Don't miss a word and listen to the Tudor Time Machine Story Project. Jessica reads a chapter of Time's Riddle and then my dear friends discuss the history behind the mystery. How diverting. So subscribe on YouTube and give me a like. Thank you so much for listening. And we want to thank Feedspot for naming our podcast one of the top 10 Tudor podcasts on the web, number two to be exact. And also thank you for listening on YouTube. Tutor files are both tech savvy and historians. You're just an amazing bunch. Every one of you has the wit of Rosalind and the heart of Cordelia. Philadelphia, can you give us the spelling of mumping our word of the week? It is spelled M-U-M-P-I-N-G. Mumping. And in the 16th century, this word had a few meanings. It meant to beg or to mope or to sulk. It also meant almost to freeload, to take a bit here and there when someone wasn't looking, to beg in an underhand way. I don't know. I think the modern equivalent might be mooch. Mumping is a great word, and I love the sound of it, and we should definitely bring it back into use. I agree. It's super fun. And we encountered this word in a incredibly fun reading of a letter from 1617. It was fantastic. The great Olivia Coleman reads the letter as part of the Letters Live series. And we'll post a link to her reading on our Tudor Time Machine Facebook page. And it is just hilarious. Hmm. Now, my dear Gage, you have shown me this Olivia Coleman on your YouTube. And I did not like her reading at all. I thought it cruel and distasteful. Really? But it's such a ridiculous letter. Well, to give our tutor files some context, this letter that we're talking about was written in 1617 by Eliza, or Elizabeth Compton, and she writes to her husband, William Compton, Earl of Northampton, whom she addresses as my life, a very detailed, incredibly adamant list of all the things she, Eliza, needs. I mean, intense demands, including a 1600 pound per year allowance, which was a lot of money back then, $600 for charitable works. She wanted three horses of her own, two gentlewomen attendants, and they also each needed horses, six or eight gentlemen, two coaches, one for herself and another for her women, each with a coachman and four horses. And then she also wanted carriages and carts for her things. 
She wanted 20 new gowns a year, new furnishing for their houses, including couches and canopies for her drawing chambers. She wanted him to finish building Castle Ashby. Philadelphia, that's a lot of stuff. Can you give us the line where Eliza uses our word of the week? Eliza writes, also, I would have two gentlewomen, least one should be sick. Also, I believe it an indecent thing for a gentlewoman to stand mumping alone when God hath blessed their lord and lady with a great estate. Also, when I ride hunting or hawking, or from one house to another, I will have them attending. So for each of these said women, I must and will have a horse. Philadelphia, that is a ridiculous letter. Perhaps Lady Compton might have been more tasteful in listing her desires, but Gage, you must understand her situation. Her father, Master John Spencer, was a merchant of great fortune and Lord Mayor of London, and he was the most awful man. He was imprisoned at one time for his mistreatment of his daughter Eliza. He would not allow her to marry the perfectly suitable Sir William Compton just because she had a mind to, and the couple had to arrange a secret plot where poor Eliza was smuggled out of her house in a basket. It was all the talk of the court. Wow. Well, she is a very direct person. The villain, John Spencer, died in 1610, his wife soon after, and as Eliza was his only child, his large fortune, attend me, Gage, fell to his son-in-law, Sir William Compton. And in possession of such a huge inheritance, it was said at court, yes, indeed, I heard it said, that Sir William, who was a gentleman of already lavish habits, quite lost his head in a spending frenzy. Oh, I think I begin to see what you're getting at, Philadelphia. Mm, me too. So because of the coverture law in England at the time, Eliza had no control of the money that actually should have gone to her if women had any rights. And at that time, English common law defined the role of a wife as a femme covert. So she was in subordination to her husband under the protection and influence of her husband, her baron or her lord. First, Eliza was subject to her abusive father, and she had no right to marry whom she pleased. And of course, she couldn't have a profession and be independent and get away from her father. So once she ran away with Sir William Compton and became husband and wife, it was as if the law then saw them as one person. And all the property of the wife was given over to her husband and her status as a separate legal person with the ability to own her own property completely ended. And actually it never existed because before that her father would own any of that property and any personal property acquired by the wife during the marriage, unless put in a jointure by her father or another male relative saying it was specifically for her own separate use and sort of protected by the law that went automatically to her husband. And in this period, even when the father did try to leave money to his daughter in a separate agreement that should have been protected by the law, the husband could sue to have control over that money. And because the wife was not a separate person in the eyes of the law, she couldn't defend herself in court. 
She had no legal standing as a femme covert. Only when she was a widow did she have any control. And actually, this lasted up until almost the end of the 19th century in England. And let's put aside judgment of Eliza Compton's incredible privilege. Sir William had that privilege too, right? In fact, this letter is actually Eliza trying to stand up for herself. And I think that's an incredible thing. You know, she wanted to say to her spendthrift husband, listen, before you spend all the money on a horse for yourself and a new suit for yourself and a new saddle for yourself. Armor. Some armor, yes, because that was all her money and she didn't have any control over it. And she wanted to just say, this is actually my inheritance and this is what I want and I deserve to have it. It's easy to judge her, but actually she's being an incredibly strong person. Yes, indeed. And you're Olivia Coleman reading this letter as if Eliza is a silly chit is... Well, quite insulting. Eliza is being direct and not mumping. That is all true. And I understand everything Philadelphia is saying, and she's right. But I have to say, Olivia Coleman's reading is still really funny and really adorable. And I don't blame her for making the choices she did to give a great performance. I completely agree. Oh, hi-ho, so it goes. But my dear friends, I pray you shall never have to go a-mumping for your keep. Give heed to the files. Bring some 16th century source to your vocabulary with mumping. Listen in next time. Don't miss a word. Subscribe on YouTube and give me a like. (laughs) 